Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. I've entitled my message this morning, it might come up in a minute on the screen, Mind the Gap. So, <laughs> has, I guess you all know where that's from. Um, if you've been to London and you've been on the underground, you'll know that the thing that they say when you're getting on your train, mind the gap, mind the gap, and it goes around your head like a bit of a broken record, doesn't it? And so we are thinking this morning, I wonder why I've chosen that as our title this morning. You'll see in a moment why I have. But first of all, we're going to talk, we're going to read a passage that's really on my heart for this church right now. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 11. It should come up again on the screen. So this is um, when Jesus had come alive after the resurrection and we know that he was about to go into heaven and we know that he had been through his awful death of, uh, on the cross where he died for us to take away our sin and our shame and our guilt and we can thank him for that but here he is with the disciples and they were eating together and on one occasion, it says, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to get going to restore the kingdom of Israel. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. I believe that word but should be emphasized. But, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to all Jerusalem and in Samaria, Judah and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood there beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but as I was reading that passage, it was interesting, in the last prayer meeting, some of us were there, um, Joy and um, Tom and Hannah, Giovanni, um, and we were praying with, with Tyler um, Graham and Anne, and um, we, were t we were praying about the future of this church, and as you all know, he left last Sunday, and um, it was a really difficult day in some ways, but a, a, you know, a, it marked the end of, a for me, a very good season in this church, a really good season in this church, that I believe God was on the move. God is on the move still. 
And, you know, I, I just kind of felt at that prayer meeting to bring this passage. And as I prayed over it, I just felt the likeness to our situation right now. And then as I prayed again after that event, I felt like today was the day that I was to bring that message to the church. It's a really significant message, I believe, for us at this time. There's so many similarities. There's a lot of differences as well. I mean, Tyler hasn't been taken up into heaven like that. Um, and, you know, he's not going to come back, I, I don't think. Um, and, and, you know, we already do have the Holy Spirit, haven't we? Amen. We've already got the Holy Spirit. How much better position are we in right now? And I think we need to take stock. We need to think about that gap. So why have I called it Mind the Gap? Do you know, I looked in the dictionary about what the word mind means. Obviously, mind is your heart and your um, spirit, soul, and emotion. Oh, dear. Anyway, soul and emotions. And uh, to be technical about it, there could be other things. So, but... The thing is that in this context, the word mind means to regard as important. So I believe that this season in our church is a season that we are to regard as important. And let's not think, oh no, this is a really difficult time. This is a difficult time for the church. We could dwell on that right now. I know this church has been through many changes in the years we've been here, myself and Robin. And, and it's, it's not always easy in between pastors um, having that gap. And, but we must look at it as a time that we are to regard as important. And if there's nothing else you take away from today, I believe that's what God is saying to us at this season in our church. And so the disciples had just waved Jesus off in the clouds. They were likely to be feeling bereft and confused. Um, they were in that gap period. They knew something else was coming because Jesus had promised it. And if they'd read their Old Testament, they would also know there's something else coming. And that, you know, it said, I will build my church, Jesus said to the disciples, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We have to claim that, take that promise right now. We have to believe that. He will, God will build his church. No man can build this church. God or woman God can build this church. God will build this church, and nothing will prevail against it. So we're going to take hold of that today. We are going to take hold of that. So there were two things that Jesus instructed his disciples. He instructed them to stay and to wait. To stay and to wait. And so, you know, staying can be hard. <clears throat> If we can't see what we're looking for, staying somewhere is difficult. It's not an easy place when we were in between something. We're in between something and we're not sure what will happen next. And then waiting. They were asked to wait. Waiting isn't easy. I remember the time where myself and Robin um, were waiting to adopt a child. And um, it was after a period of knowing loss, actually, in knowing the loss of not being able to have another of our um, birth children. And then a period of thinking, what next? A period of grieving, a period of taking stock, a, a period of 
waiting, a period of wondering. It was a difficult time. It was really tough. And then we decided to adopt, and then the journey began. We had a lot to prepare. We had a lot to think about. And so that phrase, that phrase, mind the gap, was very applicable to us at that time. You know, regard that time as important. We had to regard that time as important. You can't just suddenly move on and go, whoosh, it's all okay now, whoosh. We're going to go from loss and grieving to, oh, wow, we've now adopted a child. And you need time. We're human beings. We need time to process things sometimes. So the Holy Spirit was coming, and Jesus knew that. And he said to the disciples, wait, stick around and wait. But let's think about what they did while they were waiting. Um, I just want to kind of model what we're doing a bit on what they did, because what they did was really healthy and really good. And to be fair, the most important thing was it was what Jesus told them to do. And actually, at this point in time, whatever matters most is what Jesus tells us to do. And I do believe this is a word in season for us. I really do. I can't help but think that we do have something good to follow, though. And that is that whatever happens, the Holy Spirit is here already. He is here. But I do believe that there's a new impartation, a new, a new lease of life coming, a new, um, a new season for this church. And it's not a bad season, it's a good season. Let's regard this time as important. There is so much more. There is so much more. So what did the disciples do? Um, first of all, they grieved. I think that might be on, yeah, the waiting, in the waiting phase, they grieved. And it's normal to grieve. You know, if you're mourning the loss of someone, you can't just move on. It would not be good. And all the scientists will tell you, all the psychologists, all the neuroscientists, all those who are um, counsellors will tell you that if you've had loss, you, you've got to process it. You've got to process it the right way. And it's, it's a difficult time. It's normal. Loss is a natural course of humanity. And we need to respect ourselves during these times. We also need to respect each other during these times as well. Everyone processes loss differently. And whilst there may be sort of, um, you know, there's, the psychologists and counsellors will tell you that there is like a sort of a... Um, a procedure almost, not a procedure, but a, a kind of pattern that happens during loss. And that starts often with denial. Then it might move on to anger, very angry that that person's gone. Bargaining, bargaining sort of with yourself and with others, like, why? What's going on? Why did that happen? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I change that? Why didn't this happen first? What if that had happened? What if I'd done this differently? What if, what if? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, the bargaining. And then depression often sets in. That's normal. And, you know, there were times in the Bible where people, what we call, lamented. There's a lot of stories in the Bible where people did lament. It's important. It's not something to gloss over and say, okay, we're just going to pretend that doesn't happen in Christians. We're Christians. You know, I was brought up in a home where, you know, we didn't really talk about things like that. 
it was there, but we didn't talk about it. And I think it's healthy to talk about it. We can get a lot further if we do. We can grow. We can grow if we talk about it. So depression is not wrong. Acceptance comes later. And that's a phase of, of grief and loss that is natural, hopefully, to all of us who've experienced loss and grief. Eventually, acceptance comes. Eventually, acceptance comes. So whatever you're feeling right now, you know, you may be mourning the loss of our pastor and Donna. But you know, it's a tough time because we love them. We love them. And I feel that loss personally very much. And, you know, I think it's a time where we have to acknowledge that loss. Maybe you're going through other loss in your life, and maybe this message applies to another kind of loss in your life, and that's also really important to take on board. So Lamentations, there's a passage in Lamentations 3, 19 to 26. It says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. I often say this to myself when times are tough. I love this passage. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That's an interesting thing that that passage said, it is good to wait. Good things, someone said, comes to, come to those who wait. If we don't wait, we don't always get the joy later of what's coming. It's interesting, isn't it? If we have a waiting time, sometimes that builds that anticipation. But it does also give us a chance to proceed, process the grief that we're feeling. Because grieving is, like I say, a natural thing in human life. And it has to be gone through in order to process things. It's important. We need to process things. But we have God with us in our grief. We're not there alone. Um, it said in John um, 14, I will not leave you as orphans. I will comfort you. The Holy Spirit, he Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit already to comfort us in our grief. That is the difference between us and those who don't know Jesus in their lives. What we go through in our grief and our mourning is still difficult, but we have God. We have the Holy Spirit. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. And he is good to those who seek him, whose hope is in him. And his mercies are new every morning. So sometimes when we're in that difficult grieving phase, there may be days we just don't want to get up. I've been there. I've had days like that in my life. I just didn't want to get up. And I have to say that the only thing that has kept me going in those times is sometimes this knowledge that his faithfulness 
is new every morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, his faithfulness is new every morning. Amen. It is new every morning. It is new every morning. And we are going to wait patiently, but we're going to process our grief. Um, you know, someone called Brené Brown, she's a research scientist. She does TED Talks and things like that. She, she talks about some um, um, tips for dealing with grief. And I'm just going to be a bit practical here because sometimes we do need to be really practical. We can talk to God anytime we like. We need each other at these times of grief to process. And we also know that it's normal to go through these things. But we need to remember, she says, empathy, not sympathy. You know, quite often when we send someone a card, it's called a sympathy card, isn't it? It sounds quite nice, but it's not really. I think empathy is much better than sympathy. Empathy is connecting to the hurt that someone else feels. And it's far more valuable than words could ever say. Trying to connect with that person's loss it's just so important. Connecting with each other's loss at this time is going to be really important for our church. Embrace courage, she says. Courage is really important. Actually, she talks about that in the context of exploring our unsavory emotions. So those emotions that we don't always like to face, those difficult feelings, and as I said, anger is part of um, grieving and it's a difficult emotion isn't it embrace the courage to face and explore those unsavory emotions embrace it you may need help that's okay explore it with someone that's maybe a professional and that's important that's not something to be ashamed of and we also know that Jesus explored difficult emotions. He wept. I love that passage. I read the passage about Jesus went, going to Lazarus when he died and how he got there and he wept. I read it just the other week and it just profoundly impacted me in a new way. I was trying to work out what Jesus was weeping about, but I think there's just the plain and simple thing that Someone had died, and it was his friend, and his sisters in Christ were grieving and mourning too. And he felt that. He empathized. He faced that difficult emotion. He wept. The other thing that Brene Brown says is forget perfectionism and strive for authenticity. You know, if we forget that um, we don't have to be perfect, have a great cover on, you know, makeup covers a lot of things. I love it. <laughs> Um, but we can put on that front, and it's good in a way, but it's not in others, because we need to see what's really going on sometimes behind the scenes. Strive for authenticity, be vulnerable sometimes, share, choose carefully who you share with, though. That's important, too. You know, we, we do need to be sensible about who we choose to share with. And then the other thing she says is embrace pain and discomfort. It's not healthy to numb or shut away pain. It's not. We need to face our pain. We need to face loss. We need to face difficult feelings. But it's the way we do that. With Jesus, we can find meaning. We can find meaning. And if you read the book of Lamentations, you'll see um, how difficult 
the writer found life at that time. It was bad. Things were bad. And we don't always talk about books like that in the Bible. We don't mention those kind of things because we're Christians and we're all okay and we're going to come and smile and praise Jesus. Do you know, though, I will not undermine praising Jesus because actually every psalmist did that. And as they praised, things lift. I love that song, um, Raise a Hallelujah, because it clearly shows just how much as we raise a hallelujah, everything does change. And whilst we've got the painful experience and while we've got those difficult things going on, praising and worshipping, sticking to, praising and worshipping, even when we don't feel like it, so important and changes everything. The disciples, in their grief, they question things. They, in that passage, it says, you know, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said, actually, it doesn't matter right now. It's not important that you know that now. Ah, I would have been frustrated at that. I would want to know. They wanted to know. It was a big question in their mind. Part of grief is exploring. We have to explore. The disciples did that. It can feel unstable and it can feel challenging. This is an unstable time for our church. We name it now. As a leadership, we've discussed this. We've um, discussed the, the, the difficulties, the, the changes, the challenge of it. It is a challenging time. We're in it together, though, folks. I'm believing and trusting that we can become even more of a family during this time. I love Isaiah 61. It says um, that we have the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Remember I said about praise being so important. Absolutely. And then Habakkuk 3:17 and 18 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pen, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Praise is so vital. Um, my next point is that they joined together and you know, in our joining together, our regrouping, we can regroup. This time, like the disciples in between when Jesus went up to heaven and Pentecost Day, they regrouped. And we know, I won't read the bits, but they chose a new leader in Matthias and um, they spent time just, you know, it was a time to consider. It was a time to reflect. It was a time to group and regroup and make sure that we had they had everything in place for the new season that they're coming into and so this is a time as a church family that we can regroup we can spend time reflecting and we can come into our own with our sense of purpose what are we all here for? Why are we here? What's our purpose as a church? And hopefully over this time we can explore that together as we meet together, as we pray together, as leadership meet together. Pray for us as leaders, I would say. Um, you know, it, it's not an easy time for leaders. 
But it's not an easy time for anyone in the church. And we're going to name that. But we're also going to remember there is hope. And the third point I have is the biggest one, really. They prayed. Praying. The disciples, in that waiting phase, Jesus said to them, wait. Stay in this room. Pray. And they did it. I don't know if I would have done that. I mean, if I'm honest, I like to put myself in the shoes of people in the Bible. And I look at them and I think, wow, that was very good. They obeyed what Jesus said. They listened to what he'd said. Wait. And it's so fundamental, prayer. This last week, I've just come to uh, yet another kind of revelation of the importance and fundamental nature of prayer. It's a time where we get on our knees and we say, God, we, we haven't got what it takes to do this. We haven't got what it takes to move forward in the way that you want us to without you, without him. But with God, but God, but God. The disciples prayed regularly, and it says in the Bible, be self-controlled and alert, for our enemy, the devil, does prowl around like a a roaring lion. And I think we need to be aware that the devil doesn't like it. We need to meet together. We need to spur each other on. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says that we must spur one another on to love and good deeds, that we must not give up meeting together more now than ever before have we needed each other. We need each other. We need that regrouping. We need to meet together as church family and pray. Hence on um, Thursday next week, the 14th, Maundy Thursday, as Joy mentioned, we're going to meet together as a church family and have like, I kind of feel like it's a bit of a family time. Um, We, of recent months and years, I'm guilty of it as well. Not so many of us have turned up to the prayer meeting. It isn't easy sometimes. Uh, I know that praying together, though, is so vital. Now more than ever, we need to be there for each other, praying together. And you know, iron sharpens iron. We need to be self-controlled and alert, as the scripture says. And then, what happened next? What happened next? We're going to read from Acts 2, 1 to 4 now. I think that's going to come up on the screen. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit enabled them. You know, Tyler mentioned last week, and I know it's been spoken of by others in other messages recently, it's, sometimes it's not the destination, it's the journey. We're on the most amazing journey as a church, and we must enjoy this time. It, it can be enjoyed. But we need each other. We must not sake, forsake meeting together. And we must spur one another on to love and good deeds. So we're going to end with, um, I think Tom's going to come up, and we're going to just end. I'm just going to lead us in a, a short prayer that we're going to commit this time to God, this time, this gap, this gap, 
Remember what I said earlier. Regard, to mind something is to regard it as important. Let's mind this gap. Let's regard this gap as important. Thank you for watching this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at or check out our website at www.centre-church.uk.